0: Hey everyone, it's the Kung Fu Genius aka Alex Richter And if you're listening to us on audio only I'd appreciate you rating and reviewing the podcast Wherever you listen to it And of course, if you like what I do here Don't forget to subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius on YouTube And hit that bell for notifications Are you a fan of Wing Chun Kung Fu? Well, if you listen to me, I assume you are I got great news for Kung Fu Genius fans Right now, you can get an all-access One-month free trial subscription To Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine Yes, I said free Go to WCINewsstand.com and register in the upper right hand corner fill in your email and password and use the code kfgtrial to get your free trial to the issues from 2011 to the current issue that's right all the issues even the one with this guy on the cover my kung fu genius column is in all the new issues as if you need another reason to get this awesome magazine go get your free trial subscription today for all that information check out the description below and with that let's get started
1: All right, peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots of gems, lots of kicking tires, and lots of, hey, Jack, I hear that Bruce Lee cat died from some electrical muscle stimulation machine from Japan. I saw this on the internet. Let's get to it.
0: He is unstoppable, unbeatable, unbelievable. He's Alex Rector, the Kung Fu Genius. And
1: every day I practice martial. <laughs> what, 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 what Word is I'm a Kung Fu Genius. All day like a genius.
0: Yo, Dre, how you doing, man? I am superb. Here we are on a Saturday morning. This is a kind of a rare time for us to record.
1: It's Saturday morning. Yeah, not properly I'm missing caffeinated. Missing all my cartoons yet. right yeah, now. Yeah, we're
0: missing our cartoons. Yeah. we're not properly caffeinated. We're and definitely not caffeinated. We don't have the British guy here today this because he got a sucking. case of the flu. Right. Yeah. So we are our own sound people all right scary we don't have that you are not going to hear the british guy chiming in from time to time it's just going to be us yeah so this is actually this is the first episode of kfg no. we don't have the british guy with us
1: this should be the
0: last yeah so. well if it's really good maybe we don't <laughs> meet you know what's funny we had to, I had to do all the sound stuff right and he just sent me texts with some basic like directions right yeah and i realized you know what that dude does <laughs> all he does is press record that's all that he dude does. doesn't do shit it's all how much does. we paid him we that don't need him.
1: since hour.
0: <laughs> he literally he literally shows up, puts the headphones on. He's like, "Okay, I'm going to record," <laughs> and he hits record. And maybe he, he deletes some old recordings to make sure there's enough space. And maybe he pressed like a. Soundtrack here and there. Yeah, you know, exactly. And yeah. And that's it. That's it. That's what, all he's doing. What, he's, hey. getting, he's getting paid cents on the dollar <laughs> to do that, right? Over way overpaid. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. My God. All, all right, right, so anyway, let's get to it. What's our first one? All right. First up we got
1: Anton Rasha. All right. Like Rash Card.
0: That's what's up. All right.
1: Hi. Mr. Kung Fu Genius. Regarding the Bruce Lee death, what do you think about this theory? He has a theory.
0: Yeah, everyone's got a theory. Okay. Not uh-huh. everyone. Right. I, I'm theoryless. Uh huh. The, you know, the <laughs> difference between practice and theory is bigger in practice than in theory. I don't know where you came up with that, but it's I deep. remember. Yeah, yeah. Right. I read it on the internet once. <laughs> yeah.
1: Using electrical muscle stimulation. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Lee also used electrical muscle stimulation to train his muscle, which damaged his muscle at the same time. This machine was brought from Japan mm. and was banned later. Mm-hmm. It used high voltage to stimulate muscle which destroyed the balance between the nervous system and the biological system. It can it made Lee's muscles stronger in a short time, but it did more damage inside Lee's body. Damn. Coincidentally, an actor named Yuan Yi also used this machine, and also died without
0: reasons one year after Lee's death. Mm. It yeah. was the old, it was the electric stimulator in the kitchen theory, right? Mm.
1: I remember these, is this the one with the little things? Yeah,
0: the things that they still use nowadays? Yeah, 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 yeah. it's so, the hospitals. Yeah, so this is one of the many bandied about theories. Now, what you have to realize is that at the time of Bruce Lee's death, you know, Bruce Lee dies at 32 years old, so obviously people are looking and scrambling for reasons, right? And there's Mm -hmm. everything from, like, the sordid to the mundane, right? Mm -hmm. And the problem is that, the problem with human beings when it comes to conspiracy theories is people would rather believe some type of conspiracy than no theory at all. People are very Mm. unsatisfied with the idea of um, we just don't know. People really don't like to hear that. And as a result, instead of which you know to say that you don't know something, or that you are not sure, or there is not enough evidence to suggest these are intellectually honest ways of looking at things. Hmm. People don't like intellectual honesty. They want to have a reason. Why did Bruce Lee die? It was the electric stimulators. Why did Bruce Lee die? Uh, it was the cocaine. Why did Bruce Lee die? It was the heat stroke. Why did Bruce Lee die? It was Betty Ting Pei with a kitchen knife in the bedroom. You know what I mean? Like yeah. because people don't like this idea that they don't know. So they will literally just fill in the gap with any conspiracy theory so that they feel like they have an answer because that puts them at ease. But truthfully, when you don't know something, you just got to say you don't know. Now, at any given at any given moment, all right, any of us is doing some shit that could potentially kill us. Uh, All right. Yeah. Today I drove my car into city Wing Chun. (laughs) I could have potentially died on the way in. Okay. From driving. You'd be like, yeah, well, he was driving his car in the city. That's crazy. Right. Okay. Imagine if I ride bikes and I ride bikes in the city. That's very dangerous. Yeah. Well, he was riding bikes. That could have killed him. Right. Mm. Imagine, you know, I'm taking um, I ride trains. Yeah, Sometimes. exactly. Yesterday, I had a little bit of a lower back spasm, right? Oh, no. So, I took some uh, anti-inflammatories, all right? Mm. Imagine it, this morning if I woke up dead. Oh, well, you know, so he, was the taking infla- all the, he was taking all those anti-inflammatories, uh, right, or yeah. whatever. Even though that the real reason I'm dead is because I accidentally consumed rat poison that was in my sushi yesterday, all right? But no, it Ew. was the anti-inflammatories, right? So, the thing is that people just want, and also people want to feel like they know something. That the normal people don't know. Like mm. when, you know, people know that I've traveled to Hong Kong many times and, you know, I'm kind of a bit of a Bruce Lee nerd. And I've talked to a number of people who might know something about it. So they're like, ah, Mr. KFG, in all your travels to the Orient, all right? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's legit when people call it the Orient. <laughs> Please tell me, how did Bruce Lee die? As if having been over there, you could literally have been in Betty Ting Pei's bedroom that Bruce Lee died in. Yeah. And you are not privy to any more information than, than anyone who looks at this with a modicum of, of uh, introspection, right? So th- the problem is that people put too much... Uh, Bruce Lee don't even know how he died. Bruce Lee doesn't even know how he died, right? <laughs> people too give much. much cr- people give too much credit to people who say something mm-hmm. that sounds a little bit different. Ooh, that's something I haven't heard before. Therefore, it must be true. No man, no Uh, man. It's true, if it's true. mm -hmm. All right. There are tons of plausible theories. All right. The heat stroke thing, the you know uh, hypersensitivity to meprobamate, the um, you know all of these theories. Now, the problem is when let's say you say that there's six or seven probable theories of Bruce Lee's death. That does not mean. That there are six or seven probable theories that are equally valid. The problem is that just because someone says this is a theory of how we died, heat stroke, this is a theory of how we died ma this is a theory of how we died cocaine, doesn't mean that because you call those three things theory, that they're theories, that they're equally valid or equally plausible. Mm. All right, just because they have a name of being a theory. All right. Doesn't mean that they are all on that. There's equal chance that any of those could have happened. All right. We have to take a look at what we know. And we also have to acknowledge the fact that most of us who are talking about this are not medical doctors. All right. Uh. So, again, as I've said many, many times, even though I've read Bruce Lee's autopsy and have a copy of it. Yeah. I see that there are things missing from the toxicology report. When people say, oh, well, you didn't, they didn't find cocaine in the system. I don't see cocaine on the toxicology report. There was some chucklehead who kept arguing with me saying, see, because they didn't find it, you idiot. He kept calling me an idiot. And I was like, dude, what? Because he misunderstood. I didn't say they didn't find cocaine on the toxicology report like they looked for it and didn't find it. I mean, they didn't look for for it. Right. He didn't understand that. He kept saying, like, I'm saying, yeah, the cocaine is not on this toxicology report, as if they didn't find it when they looked for it. They didn't look for it, homie. Yeah. I don't see it. But again, my medical opinion, my <laughs> uh, um, my evaluation of, a, of an autopsy report done in Hong Kong in 1973... Dude, I, I'm not even qualified to, uh, 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 to to give an evaluation of my driving test when I was 16 years old, let alone a medical autopsy, of which I don't have any medical training. Two, I'm just reading this thing 50 years later. So, I mean, people are like, well, yeah. oh, oh, well he's read the idiot. autopsy report. He must know. This. You dude, idiot. Dude, dude. All right. You, 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 it's like giving me anything uh, written in a lab and going, what do you think about this, right? does it matter what I think about it? I'm an idiot, all right? When, one thing I do know, yeah, I'm not a doctor. That's right. I do yeah. know that. I, I, don't I even, know that for a fact. I don't even play one <laughs> on this podcast, all it. right? As much as people really want to hear what my opinion is. Right? So yes. one, of the, one of the many bandied about theories, which I would put way... Like if you're, if you're looking at the most plausible theories of Bruce Lee's death... And you trickle it down to like the just total not like he was killed by ninjas with the death touch or whatever oh, kind man, of thing. Oh right? love that one. Um, the muscle stimulation thing is one of is one of the lower rung theories. Okay, so first of all. He supposedly used some kind of muscle stimulator. like. And first of all, these kind of things are still available today, right? You know, you have these, uh, you know, you can put them on your body and then you have these stimulation. Usually people use it for more therapeutic uses, like, you know, for, uh, you know, trigger point therapy and stuff like that. Like you have a problem in your shoulder, so you put those patches there and then you you slowly dial up. I mean, you go to a chiropractor or you go to a physical therapist and they use those mm-hmm. things on you all the time. You know, they, they will use the electric muscle stimulation to loosen you up. And then they'll go and they'll manipulate you afterwards. So these are things that are still used nowadays. But supposedly the one that Bruce Lee used was one that was from Japan and then later became banned. Okay. Okay. Now, the thing about that is this. Okay. I don't know if that is actually true. You know, like, so first of all, Bruce Lee apparently used some muscle stimulator, like some electric muscle stimulator. Most people talk about that. But again, I've never seen a photo of it. I've never seen a video of it. Mm -hmm. And I haven't seen any evidence that where Bruce Lee says he was using this. Now, I don't necessarily I'm not saying like I don't believe it's possible. Enough people have talked about it that it's probable. Mm -hmm. But first of all, I I, where is the hard evidence that he used it? Second, yes
1: Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. I know.
0: He had Yeah, so so again, Linda was was (laughs) Linda was part of that movie. All right. And so she may have had that in the script that, you know, Bruce was using these things at the time or whatever. Yeah. But uh, Linda also put in that he broke his back fighting, you know, Johnny whatever his face, the Chinese guy with the jerry curls in a dungeon in San Francisco, right? I love, okay. I love those, so, those So, again, guys. if you're going to use Dragon the Bruce Lee story and say, well, Linda Lee was attached to that movie and in it they make reference to the electric stimulators. Yeah. In that movie he also got his back broken by a <laughs> flying sidekick, okay? <laughs> And then, and, then re, and then fought that guy again at Ed Parker's tournament in a ring and then fought that guy's younger brother on the set of Big Boss. So let's go a little bit easy on using Dragon the Bruce Lee story as a reference point for anything regarding Bruce Lee, all right? <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give the benefit of the doubt that he used mus- okay. muscle stimulation because there were enough people who said about it and it's harmless enough. To, to to think, like, Bruce Lee might use something like this, okay? But then there's the, oh, the one he was using was from Japan. And it was this one that was uh, later banned, okay? So w- where uh, so where is the evidence of that, okay? Now, here's the thing. I'm not saying it's not true. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that people say stuff like, yeah, he used this Japanese muscle simulator, which was then later banned in Japan. Okay, so how do you know that, all right? Is there a receipt for it? Now, I'm I'm totally fine with that being true. But the problem with all these questions is you have to presuppose that two or three of the premises of the question are automatically true, and then you have to debate it as if it's standing on solid ground. Mm-hmm. I want to know, all right, how do we know that Bruce used this particular model? Now, if someone out there knows and can show that to me, I'm again I'm I'm not I'm not saying he did not use it. I'm just saying I first need to find evidence that he did before we really even speculate on this stuff, all right? I wonder if a collector has it. Maybe, right? And then and then second of all, the guy says uh, that this thing causes muscular damage. Well, that's how that's how muscles are developed. All right. I mean, like, so first of all, how, how do you think you grow? How do you think you grow bigger biceps? All right. You're creating. You you're them creating themselves. muscle damage. All right. Yeah. And it's in the anabolic phase, the muscle creating phase, that those are then strengthened and those muscles grow. All right. The muscles don't grow while you're doing the work. The muscles grow in the recovery. All right. During the anabolic phase of, of, of hence yes anabolic steroids. Yeah, because anabolic steroids work during the anabolic phase and they also work during recovery. All right. You don't get, you don't get bigger muscles because you're pumping more. You get bigger muscles in the recovery. That's how it works. Yeah. Cause your muscles go through phases. It catabolic where it's breaking down or anabolic where it's building up.
1: So if I take anabolic steroids while not working out, that shit would not
0: work. Uh, in, in any way whatsoever. I don't know. You'd like, have, but this is a theory. You'd have to watch Coach Greg videos to get more information <laughs> on that or watch uh, More Plates, More Dates or one of those, right? Oh, yeah. So I think if you took steroids – well, I think it depends. But I think if you took steroids without working out, you would just get bloated. You would yeah. just retain a lot of water. Yeah. Which is another reason why people are like, yo, Bruce was on anabolic steroids. It, and why did he have no water retention? Yeah, yeah zero Why did he water, keep wasn't. losing water if he was on anabolic steroids, you <laughs> moron? So uh, anyway – in order to really entertain this and Mm -hmm. any other theory for that matter, all right? I want to see the proof that he used these kind of things, Mm -hmm. these muscle stimulus too. I want to see the proof that he used this particular brand of japanese muscle stimulator and that this brand was in fact then later banned or whatever right yeah. now of course he says that the damage is, is is between the nervous and the muscle system or whatever i mean look it was the early 70s mm-hmm. is it possible that they made an electric machine in the 70s that wasn't totally scientifically tested and ended up being bonkers bad for people absolutely i have no problem believing that the premise of it could be true i just mm-hmm. don't know if it's actually true Mm. That's the difference. All right. So if, if people can provide evidence that Bruce used this machine, it was indeed this machine from Japan that later then did get banned. Okay. And then we can look at it. All right. But does something that causes nerve damage. All right. Presumably he's using this on his arms or legs or his abs or his chest. Okay. Does something that cause supposedly cause nerve damage or cause a loss of connection between your nervous system and your muscles. All right. How does that cause cerebral edema? Okay? So, here's the thing. Well, here's the thing. It might. There could be a medical doctor listening to this and going, well, actually, damage to your nervous system through the body can cause strains on the brain. Like, it's totally possible. But the problem is, my opinion on that is worth a zero, okay? (laughs) A big zero, okay? Because I know nothing about this stuff, all right? So, again, people always want me to pontificate on things that I'm not qualified to talk about. And neither are they. But because... Everyone is talking about Bruce taking the a probamate, you know, and then he died from that. And then it's the heat stroke theory. And then oh, it's the cocaine. It's like, nah, man, actually, I'll tell you why Bruce Lee died. <laughs> it was the Japanese muscle stimulator. All right. OK, right. so it sounds just like people always want to be like, yeah, well, everyone else is saying that thing. But let me tell you what it really is. <laughs> it was the muscle stimulator in the kitchen at three o'clock. All right. And so it just sounds like people yeah you know like like the mo- like clue right okay it's like what killed bruce lee you know it was betty ting Pei with the headache medicine yeah. in, the, in the bedroom right oh, um, it was the butler wu on, right so mm-hmm. so the 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 problem is it just sounds like people are just trying to come up with shit that other people are not talking about just so you can sound like, because if you're the one person in the room that's like, nah, man, it wasn't heat stroke, it wasn't cocaine, it wasn't a probamate, man, let me tell you, all right? this yeah. my, my boy Johnny in the Bronx, yeah, all right? He told he me, knows. his dad told me why Bruce Lee died. Right, it was right. the Japanese muscle stimulator, all right? Okay? And then the other guy, Yuan Jie, which I think was his co-star in Game of Death. Yeah. All right? Um, n- not in the 79 Game of Death because they cut out his part and James Tien, but he's the other guy there. He also died very early, okay? I said a month after. Yeah, it, or a year or after. A year something year after, The yeah. thing oh, is, yeah. okay, so that proves that it was a muscle stimulator? Like, people don't just die for whatever reason? Like, mm. like the, again, the problem is people would rather believe a conspiracy theory than no theory at all. Bruce Lee used this thing and died, even though perhaps... His death has nothing to do with that. Someone else uses this thing and died. Therefore, it has to. How do you freaking know that, right? The problem, this is called confirmation bias. You are beginning with the conclusion you want to reach, and then you are drawing the facts to reach the conclusion which you already reached. That is not a scientific <laughs> way of looking at anything, right? You have to look at the facts. And, and if you want a scientific argument to be true, then you have to try to disprove it Mm -hmm. and you fail to disprove it. Not that you select a handful of facts and then you go, see, all right? Because in that case, you could probably say both Bruce Lee and Yuan Jie liked sashimi. (laughs)
1: <laughs> All right?
0: So it was like some bad sashimi that killed them, right? Yeah. They both practiced martial arts and took blows to the head. It was the blows to the head that killed them, right? They were both Chinese and in the movie Game of Death. It was Game of Death that killed them, right? Okay? Because of the curse. You know, Bruce putting the word death in, in his films and stuff like that, right? Oh, yeah. So, again... You, you you want to draw connections. I could probably draw eight or nine connections between the two of them that could possibly be the reason why they died, which wouldn't be any less plausible than the Japanese electric stimulator. All right. So anyway, this, along with a lot of other less plausible theories, it's like they, people need to stop thinking that just because they heard some shit, mm-hmm. it's equally valid. All right. I also heard, you know, Bruce Lee was uh, killed by triads, hit with a baseball bat, and then his body was drugged there, whatever. Right. And it sounds plausible. Yeah. But then you start putting things together and then it really doesn't make any sense. All right? But it's easy for me to say I was in Hong Kong and a uh, Hong Kong producer who knew an actor who knew Bruce Lee said that this was what happened, which is actually true. Still doesn't mean shit. Mm. Doesn't mean shit. His autopsy, he uh, he had no bruising or damage on his body to his head or whatever from any kind of trauma. There was no... Pre death trauma and there was no post death trauma. This is what they look for. This is what they look for. Automatically. Of course, because they're looking for, you know, they're looking for the the reasons for it. So they're going to look for things like trauma and things like that. Yeah. There was none of that, Mm. all right? And then people always point to that, that, that autopsy photo yeah, like with his neck all messed up or whatever. But this is what happens Tyson when neck. you start cutting someone's head up behind oh. and, and, and it folds this way here, right? Uh. So you can't look at what someone looks like on the autopsy table when they're all chopped up like this and go like, see, obviously he had head trauma because his neck is swollen, all right? Because if you get hit in the head, your neck is the thing that swells, all right? <laughs> So anyway, I think this electric muscle stimulator is it should get thrown in the the trash bin of uh, Bruce Lee death conspiracy. Can I make a confession? Yes, I used one of those before. Uh, what? Getting hit Electro- in the back of the head? No, electromagnetic <laughs> or what? Those things electric muscle on- sti- yeah, yeah, dude, I have used- two. I have two of those at home. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> nice. for for like my shoulders yeah. and for my lower back. Yeah. yeah, but but apparently the newer ones are much lower grade. You know, mm-hmm. you can dial it up slowly. Yeah, yeah. I think in the 70s, you just turn that thing on yeah, and that thing yeah. was going I like this. I had one right? with the gel. Yeah. The gel yeah, patches. All those things are really normal. But yeah. you can imagine, okay, 50 years ago, the 50-year-ago version of that thing was probably a lot less refined. And probably people were putting them places that they shouldn't put them, right? Okay, like on okay. their face or whatever. Their rectal. Yo, I wasn't even talking about that. Why you always got to take it? There? I'm just
1: saying you're trying to stimulate shit. My God, man, <laughs> nope. you are a deviant. No, but you're a deviant. Th- I didn't. I'm
0: just. I'm not confessing that. You, I'm not saying. No, I get, I get it. Jacked. I get it. What I'm, I'm saying it. is, yeah, sounds sounds. Totally, I didn't get jacked from it, right? It sounds like you're not hiding anything, right? <laughs> no, Except <wait>. that stimulator <laughs> up your ass. <laughs> Got to stimulate it. All right, that's right. Okay, cool. So anyway, I think it's, I think it's a bullshit theory. I <laughs> oh, think. man. But uh, <clears throat> I think that if you want to go down that route, uh, I need to see more receipts, man. Yeah, I receipts. need to see more receipts Show the receipts. That. Show the receipts. All
1: right, next question. He did save a lot of receipts, but not that one. Yeah. All right, Lion Martial Arts Academy. All right. You might have already went in depth on this. Okay. And I might have missed it. But if you haven't, can you share some more of the long pole drills you can do when you're by yourself?
0: Uh, well, it's difficult to do in an audio podcast. All right. Okay. Oh yeah, Where you can't really two, like, two talking heads here. The, right.
1: The, the room is not even big enough and for a long about,
0: pole. And about uh, about a quarter of our audience listens to this podcast That's on true. audio because you can't uh, see it. Yeah, but th- well, three quarters of our audience uh, watches this. On YouTube, yeah. but about one quarter of the audience only listens to it on like Spotify, iTunes, you know, wherever. I mean, wherever audio, Podbean. yeah, wherever audio podcasts are distributed, I'm literally okay. everywhere, yeah. right? Uh, they're even like German podcast apps. I'm like on all of those things, right? Yeah. Um, and but so the problem is like in an audio format podcast. Uh, one one of the things about the Kung Fu Genies podcast, which I think. Irritates a small percentage of our listeners. Is, mm. This is not a platform for me to teach the Wing Chun that I teach. Mm. Okay. So I never wanted to create the Kung Fu it's Genius Whack. podcast to go like, all right, look, this is how you should do Nim Tao. This is how you should do Chum Q. This is how you should do Cheese Sao. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you, what Heath Ledger's Joker say, right? He says, "If you're good at something, never do it for free." All right, okay. <laughs> uh, and so when I when I teach Wing, Chun, teaching Wing Chun is my profession. Okay, yeah. doing a podcast. This is this is what I do for fun, because, uh, you know, after uh, Dudes of Kung Fu, I realized I kind of like talking about this shit in front of an audience. Mm -hmm. I think some people like to listen to it. And especially with the Ask Me Anything format, it allows me to kind of answer a lot of the questions that people, you know, people are thinking about who are into Bruce Lee, Wing Chun, all these kind of things that we we talk about. Right. Um, But this was never a platform for me to go, Okay, now I have a now I have an audience. Now let me show you like the real way to do Paxel. All right. If people wanna learn Wing Chun from me, they can come to City Wing Chun here in New York. They can learn from me online and do lessons with me. We do I do lessons through Zoom with people from all over the world, Wing Chun instructors and noobs, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and so that is that's essentially how I earn my living. And it's not to say that I don't want to teach Wing Chun for free on my podcast, mm. but I don't want to teach Wing Chun for free on my podcast <laughs> because it's like literally the most thankless thing you can do mm-hmm. is offer help and offer advice. And then everyone's going, to, well, actually, you should do it like this. You should do it like that. Right. Um, and, and even on my Instagram, you know, like there are people who are pissed off that I'm just doing those silly Kung Fu reels. Yeah. Where it's just me and Svitlana doing a bunch of fake Kung Fu. But it's I like, yeah. It. I did a couple, like, here's how you should do this thing in the wooden dummy or whatever, and they get a pretty moderate response. But then I do a four-second clip with her doing fake-ass kung fu, and I get two million views. So in terms of building my audience, which one do you think I'm going to do, right? Yeah. Because it hasn't hurt my bottom line in terms of teaching Wing Chun, right? Oh, yeah. People who want to learn Wing Chun from me come to New York, or they learn from me online, right? The, the, this is not the platform for that. The Kung Fu Genius Podcast is for discussion mm-hmm. about all things Bruce Lee, Wing Chun, Jeet Kune Do, things that are interesting, and also things that work in an audio format. Right? This is not. Uh, this is not okay. Let me stand up and show you how to do long pole. Right? Yeah. Okay. Someone driving their car is gonna be like, ah! I know exactly. Ah, I gotta go home and watch this on YouTube now. Right? <laughs> he passed uh, it. So, and and it's not to throw any shade on on uh, the the questioner there, but like that's literally not what I'm doing here. Right? If people want to learn long pole from me and they're qualified, they can come and learn long pole from me either here in New York or do an immersion course with me in in Florida or learn from me online, right? Um, But to answer the question, I mean, one of the things that you can do with the long pole when you do not have a partner is uh, you can take one of the wooden dummy arms out of the wooden dummy and put a long pole in there instead and then so you essentially have a long pole sticking out of the wooden dummy and then you can use that for your basic training against another pole right mm-hmm. so like for your basic sparring guan, tan guan, learning to stick to to the weapon as you go down you know when you when you defend with things like uh uh or 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 tan or something like that and then you go to hit the the person you want to make sure that you maintain contact with the weapon mm-hmm. well if you have a long pole sticking out of a uh, wooden dummy, uh, you can you can kind of use that almost like as a pole dummy, which they have in some other styles like Siulam Wing Chun. They have they have a pole dummy, but I think it has like six poles coming at them. So you can do all these different things. Or so you can create like apparatuses to put the poles yeah. in and things like that. Obviously, a partner uh, and a qualified instructor are really the, the most important things to have, right? In terms of the solo strength training, those things are pretty standardized. I mean, if you learn Wing Chun Long Pole, from a qualified sifu your sifu should be able to show you all the basic strength training chao guan tang guan or all those kind of things and the uh, teen arrow punches and all like all that stuff's pretty standard like that like there, there's not like uh if you learn six or seven basic strength training exercises with the long pole um learning nine or 10 of them isn't going to make you that much better, all right? Okay. Better, you just learn those basic ones and you get really, really good at it and then you put that stuff into practice, right? The it, it the thing with long pole practice is that it's the same like any other pursuit. It's just about consistency over time. There, there are really not a lot of hacks where you're going to suddenly jump your skill in the long pole because the long pole has the, the added... Um, disadvantage in that you're holding something that has weight while you're trying to learn fine motor movements. Normally when you learn fine motor movements at least in Chinese martial arts, you do it solo first. Meaning Mm -hmm. you just do it by yourself without the presence of a partner or anyone else, right? And then you start to do it in some kind of cooperative partner practice. So you learn how to take that thing from the form and do it with another live person. And then as you get better at that, you progressively learn how to use it when the other guy is resisting you, right? Yeah. So the long pole has one disadvantage in that progression in that you're already starting to learn the fine motor movements, even when you do it solo, but you're doing it with an apparatus, which means you're already starting under a little bit of physical stress. Mm -hmm. All right. So that's why um, it's actually a good idea to do some solo long pole stuff without the long pole in your hand where you can work the fine motor movements or, and I know it sounds like sacrilege, get a really light, tiny, short staff, to okay. do the basics on. So you can just do them like in a very perfect way because you're not worrying about the added weight. The moment you add weight, you have to compensate a little bit to keep the pole in the right position. Oh. So um, even though, obviously, there's so much macho bullshit in Wing Chun about how big your pole is, right? Because no one in Wing Chun <laughs> is compensating, right? You know how many times like people ask me like, uh, how long should the pole be in Wing Chun? Well, in Yipman Man Wing Chun, we generally use a pole that's about eight and a half feet or 9 feet. In WT... Uh, the 9-foot-long pole, the, bi- the bigger one, is obviously heavier. That's usually the one you use for the strength training. You do your form and you do your strength right. training with a 9-footer. But then when you spar, you use an eight and a half foot pole. It's just a tiny – I mean, there's not much of a difference in terms of the length. And they're a little bit lighter. So it's almost like running with a weight vest on so that when you actually run without the weight vest, you're much faster, right? So mm-hmm. I would suggest, like, you should have a, a super light pole – to do technical training that you don't have to worry about the weight. Okay. And then have a heavier pole for your strength training and then a lighter pole for your sparring. All right, so you have three different weights. Although the lightest one doesn't have to be a full length pole; it can just be a staff or something, like yeah. a like a short six foot rattan staff or something, just to get the movements with, right? Practice. Yeah. So, so th- that's um, that's a suggestion for me as far as that stuff goes. But every time we talk about them, like, oh yeah, the long long pole should be about eight and a half or nine feet long. There's always like, oh, well, actually, uh, this one line in Yip Man Wing Chun uses an eleven foot pole. All right, oh. cool story, what? bro. Like, like. Well, I guess, I guess, you're just two feet better than me then. Yeah. All right? Damn. Because it's all this macho bullshit about how strong you are. Yeah, well, we actually use an (laughs) 11-foot pole that's made out of the heaviest wood, and it has a a metal rod in it, and it's made with the hopes and souls of small children, so it actually, it's heavier than Thor's hammer. It's iron. All right, yeah. You you know, it's like, okay, you know, it it always reminds me of a story, and I remember... I might have told this on Dudes or I might have told this on an earlier episode of KFG. Yeah. Um, I was once at the Museum of Natural History uh, here in New York with Sifu Leringtang years ago. And they had a room which was like uh, what they had or at that time, maybe they still do. I assume they do. Uh, They have a uh, kind of a war room where they show like uh, armor and weaponry from different cultures throughout like the history. Right. All right. And there was a room that had like Chinese weapons and but of course it's a museum so it's like real stuff that was it's like you know actual artifacts and things so they had like Chinese armor and they had mm-hmm. Chinese weapons. And I went in there with Sifu Ting, and they they had a um they had you know one display there where there was some armor and there was a um Quanto the the guan Dao, right? Yeah. The one that General Quan holds, right? right? Okay. Which is basically in Western weaponry, I think it's called a Halberd, right? Which is basically a staff with a sword a at the end of it, with a little sword, sword yeah. at the end of it, right? But it wasn't massive. When I saw it, it was actually really small. So the huh. staff wasn't super big. It, was, it wasn't like super long. and the the knife at the end or the blade or the sword wasn't like this huge swooping thing that you see in kung Fu schools. Oh right, you know because when, you see, S- when you see when you see the Kwando in most kung Fu schools, the the pole is longer. And the uh, the sword at the end is very broad, sometimes really big. And sometimes they even have a blade on the other end or a spike yeah. on the other end. And they'll have tassels and all sorts of shit, right? When I saw this real one, you know, it's like super <laughs> old, it was small. Uh-huh. The blade wasn't that big. And I remember, like, I looked at that and I'm like, Si uh, Gong, like, uh, the guandao the looks so small. And he looked at me and he goes, no, no, no. That's the real one. He That's goes, the real one. He said... If you're fighting in the battlefield, and you have a really heavy weapon that you cannot move around, you are gonna die, <laughs> <laughs> right? And then so it was so funny because yeah. although obviously in Wing Chun we focus on batamdo and and long pole, right? We only have two weapons. There's a lot of the other uh, Shaolin styles, Siu Kung Fu, Hong Kun, All these guys they have like all these different weapons. 18 weapons, 36 weapons, 140 million weapons, right? Yeah. and there is like this kind of macho thing about you know i'm not just doing it with a kwando i'm doing it with a really heavy ass kwando right i'm not just using these butterfly swords these are really heavy butterfly swords i'm not just using a a 9 foot long pole i'm using a 13 foot long pole oh, with right. you know metallic rods that's made with metal shards and and you know the it, it's so hardcore it cuts my hands every time i use it but that's how hardcore i am massive right massive anime sword yeah exactly yeah, right. right like people like they 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 Because that's just macho bullshit about how strong you are and how big you are. And then in that moment, like, I'm thinking about all these weapons and all these Sifus bragging about how big and heavy their weapons are. And then Sifu Tang looking at me in that moment and going, like, (laughs) if you had a heavy weapon on the battlefield, you'll die. You know, how are you going to wield a weapon? How are you going to change a weapon? How are you going to change directions mm-hmm. quickly on the battlefield when you have this heavy-ass weapon that's just for the sake of showing, you, uh, showing other people how strong you are? He, and then he said to me, he goes, this is a problem in Chinese martial arts because all of these sifus want to show how strong they are. And all of these sifus want to show how, you know, hardcore they are. So they use these really heavy do, or they use these really heavy guando or these really heavy swords. Because when they put it in someone else's hand and they feel Ooh, how heavy it is, wow. then you go like, wow, this dude is really hardcore. <laughs> and, then he, and then he said, which I thought was really interesting, and he goes, don't forget, none of the modern day sifus are actually fighting with these weapons. So... What are they doing with them? You're practicing with them. Mm, You're playing mm. with them. You are miming what you would do theoretically if you were on a battlefield 500 years ago, Man. of which you have no experience and are actually, in fact, not. Damn. All right? So what do you do? It's just Unless like... they go through a time machine. Exactly. Yeah. A Dreyson hypothetical yeah. maybe. right? But. It's just like strength training. You have progressive resistance, all right? You start with the five-pound dumbbells and then mm-hmm. then the 10-pound and 15 and 20 and 25, right? So if you practice Kung Fu for any period of time, you start with the small weapon, the light one, and then you build up to a heavier one and a heavier one and a heavier one until you are lifting something and using something that's really quite impressive. And then you put that in the hands of a noob and they're like, holy shit, how do you do this? But what they are impressed with is nothing more than progressive resistance training that you've done over time it's just like a bodybuilder you know giving a giving a a dumbbell that they use to someone who's been in the gym for only a few months right Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that that necessarily that the ability to lift that weight translates to athletic performance. Right. It's just you have been doing it longer. Right. The other day I follow Chris Bumstead on Instagram. He's like he's never heard of him. He's like the top body. But he's like the Mr. Olympia bodybuilder. Right. He's like the current. Again, he's a he's just a freak of nature. He's got amazing genetics. I mean, you know, these are guys that, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Could be his Tony Stark inside, you know, Chris Bum's Iron Man suit, right? Like this is like the the new gen is like so big, right? But he, you know, he posts this all this stuff with him training, and then the other day he was talking about uh, Bulgarian split squats, right?
1: I think I ran across. Yeah, I uh, I reposted
0: it. You know, it's basically you have one leg on on a bench, and then you're basically doing a one legged squat with two with two dumbbells. It's one of my favorite exercises, but it's very. It's very difficult because you have to stabilize. It's painful. But it's one of the best ways to build up your legs and ass, right? And he's talking about how when he started doing it, he hated them Mm -hmm. because everyone hates them at first. But then he did them so much he started to love them, right? And then there's just a photo of him like squatting down on one leg. And then you look at the dumbbells he has. (laughs) And each dumbbell was 140 pounds. All right. Now, the problem is m- most people couldn't even lift 140 pounds split on two dumbbells. Like, Damn. like you know, they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to have 70 pounds in each hand and do a Bulgarian uh, split squat. Right. Let alone do in each hand having that much weight. Right. But the thing is that if you were a normal person just trying to get fit. Uh, you wouldn't have to lift that much damn weight to, no. to get benefit out of a Bulgarian split squat, right? So for me, when some, you know, some macho Sifu puts like some heavy-ass weapon in your hands, all right? That's just like Chris Bumstead. If he went up to someone who was even relatively fit but not in a Mr. Olympia bodybuilder and said, you need to do Bulgarian uh, lifts with these weights, all right? And so... That that really doesn't make sense for that individual. But now, when we put it back to the realm of weapon fighting, Mm -hmm. all right, you're on the battlefield, all right. They're they're men on horses, they have armor, you need to be able to move, you need to be able to change directions. And someone puts a heavy ass kwando in your hands, says, Good luck, kid, and then runs away, all right. Or you have one that's really sharp. But lighter, and you can move around, and you can wield it. Which one would you rather have, right? Uh, so huh. there's a lot of macho bullshit about the uh, he- the heft of your weapon. Which you know, when Sifu Langteng told me that, I was like, yeah. Mm. He's like, yeah. There's all this macho stuff because basically all these sifu's are just, you know, uh, um, you know, strength training with weapons over time, so they could do it with heavier and heavier weapons. But this is moving away more and more from what the original aims of doing those those, you know, fighting with those weapons are. And even in... um the the Wing Chun knives, all right, mm-hmm. the the which sometimes people call Wu Dipto, which means butterfly swords, but technically in Wing Chun we don't call them butterfly swords, which is why I always laugh when people are like, "You do you do the Wing Chun butterfly swords, bro?" Yeah. All right, because in Wing Chun, at least Ip Man Wing Chun, we do not call them butterfly swords. It's what they're called in Hong Kun or other martial arts, right? Usually we just call them Sung Dao. Dao means double knives. Yeah. Or they're called Bao Zhang Dao meaning Bao means it covers to your elbow, meaning that's only as long as your arm. There. Okay. That's mm. what the knives are called. Ba-chan-dou is the name of the techniques, the name of the form. It's not really the name of the knife itself. Mm. The knife is mm. called ba chang dou or just seng-dou, but you shouldn't call it butterfly swords, right? Or butterfly knives, right? Uh, and people are also confused about the knives and swords. In Chinese, the word is the same. That's why, you know, some, some people say that the Wing Chun knives, sometimes the Wing Chun swords, because there are two two words in Chinese for a sword, right? Okay. One is dou, the other one is Kim. Dao means a, a a blade that is sharp on one side and is broad. So a butter, right. a butter knife is a tao. Is a dough. All right? Ah. Our our wing chun knives are a tao because they're sharp on one side and they're broad. Okay. You know what I mean? Then you have the the literally the broad sword is a tao, right? But then you know in tai chi they have those straight swords. Yeah. And those are sharp on both sides and they're straight. That's called a kim. All right. Mm. So those are the two different double sided. Yeah. And so a, bu- a butter knife is a dough, but so is the Wing Chun knife. That's why sometimes when Cantonese or Chinese people translate, some will say sword, some will say knife because it, it's technically the same word in Chinese. Yeah. All right. This in English, we would normally consider a knife, something that was shorter and we would consider a sword something that's longer. But then, with the case of the bacham though, is it a sword or a knife? Because mm-hmm. it's it's like it's kind of like a long knife or a short sword. It could be either one, right?
1: Some so, dude in the kitchen, hey, pass me that, yeah, though. <laughs> yeah, pass me Yeah, pass sword. Hey, hey, what the hell? Yeah, I need a butter knife. That's right. That's <laughs> what right. What
0: you doing? So the uh, in in the history of that type of fighting, you know, you those weapons, especially even in the 20th, early 20th century, were still being used by triads mm-hmm. and. Even here in New York, there was some, you know, Eddie Gong, this, like, famous triad guy back in the, I think, the 30s. Eddie Gong. Yeah, there's a photo of him. He was, like, he was one of the Tong leaders. So, in Hong Kong, they called them triads. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what they called the gangsters over there. And in um, uh, overseas Chinese, they called them Tongs, right, because... That they, the, these this is like a name for like a group, right? They didn't call them triads here. Tri- triads are in Asia. Mm. In the States, those gangs are Tongs, T-O-N-G, right? right? And so Eddie Gong was like some Tong leader here in Chinatown, but like in the 20s or 30s. And there's, a, and there's a photo of him like with like Western style glasses and he's wearing a Western style suit and he's holding the two swords, the two butterfly swords. Oh, and they're very yeah. narrow and thin, mm-hmm. right? And... Uh, there's also, like, a photo from the NYPD, I think, from the 20s or 30s, where they confiscate, confiscated a bunch of weapons from some tongs in Chinatown. Yeah. And you see, like, chains and brass knuckles and knuckle dusters. And then you see the, the knives, the uh-huh. though, But they're actually very long and thin. So they're more like the stabber type, right? So around 1971, 1972, uh, MoDo magazine in uh, in Hong Kong. There were a martial arts magazine, but not as big as New Martial Hero. Mm-hmm. Mo Mo means martial, uh, and Do means way. So martial way. In, yeah, in Japanese, it's Budo. All right, but in Cantonese, it'd be uh. MoDo. That was the name of the magazine, and they wanted to do an article on the Wing Chun knife techniques, and so. Right. Uh, they, they contacted a uh, young Leng Tang because at that time he was very popular in the press. So they asked him to do an article on the, on the Wing Chun Ba Chun Do. So Leng Teng went to Yip Man to get a little bit more information so that he would have more stuff to talk about in the article. And uh, one of the things that Yip Man was super adamant about mm-hmm. was that um, you do not flip the knives, right? That was like a big thing. Um, because you know, it's talking about look in the middle of fighting, if you t- t- flip the knives, <laughs> there's a chance you're going to drop them, and you drop your knives in the middle of the fight. You, 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 this is not you, going to work, you die, right? Yeah. You die, right? And he even he even said uh, that Yipman even talked about how some triad members who use those kind of knives for in in real fights before they would go into battle, they mm-hmm. would actually wrap their hands around the kni- knife handle. So they would basically, you know, their their knives and their hands were yeah. inseparable so that they wouldn't lose them. And he said, like, so think about it. These are people who are going into battle and they would even tie their hands so that they wouldn't lose the wow. knives. And think about then, why would you then in the middle of a form start flipping the knives and doing things like this? Right? Okay. And so it, it seems that, um, you know, Yip Man was strongly advocated not flipping the knives. And, that, and that's been kind of a huge source of, Contention because some of the lines within Yip Man Wing Chun they actually like flip the knives mm-hmm. and uh, but according to many of Yip Man's students and even this article that came out which got a lot of information from Yip Man personally, you never flip the knives. Now the late Sifu Chan Chi Man, who's a you know close student of Grandmaster Yip Man, um, I also learned the Batam Do form like the version that that he learned right, mm-hmm. which was earlier on. And in his version, he actually flipped the knives in, uh, I think it was uh, set seven. All right. All okay. right. And then later I asked him about that. And then he said, uh, I said, so you flipped the knives there. Was that something that, you know, Yip Man taught or advocated? And then Chi Man said, no. He goes, I added that. <laughs> he goes, uh, because in the original one, you just step back and cut, which mm-hmm. we already had in the form. He goes, he just added the flip because he said it's good for like dexterity and movement, mm-hmm. all right? And in the form, since most of us are not actually using these knife forms to protect ourselves on the street, they are, to a certain degree, providing, like, coordination and physical movement and things like that. So even even the late Chan Chiman admitted that, like, the quick flips he has, like, in set seven of his form – he just added that in later just to kind of, you know, add a little bit of movements and dexterity into the form or whatever. Right. right. So uh, but that he said, but Yip was very strongly advocated not flipping the knives. Hey everyone, it's the Kung Fu Genius, a.k.a. Alex Richter, and I just want to let you know that if you're a Wing Chun practitioner, especially from the WT or Leung Ting line, and you want to get really personalized, intensive, private training with me, you can now apply to do an immersion course with me here in NYC, or if you like the sun, in my Florida home near Orlando. These courses are for instructors or anyone who's serious about learning the art in detail and working hard. I teach in program blocks like Seonum Tao, Kiu, Biu Byuchi, and Wooden Dummy, and those include the Chi Sao Theory Fighting applications and training methods as well. If you're really serious about learning Wing Chun Check out the link in the description below to find out about applying for a spot and while you're here Don't forget to subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius on YouTube like this video and share it on your social media platforms And with that, let's get started. All right, so next question
1: next question. We got officer philosopher All right, okay back. That's a tongue twister. Uh, I love that I was practicing that whole time in yeah, my head while you it. were telling me about that do-do story.
0: Modo, Modo,
1: Are there any particular resistance training exercises you would recommend for a middle-aged beginner to develop power specifically for Wing Chun?
0: So I assume meaning like fitness training. hmm uh, I, I would assume so. Right. Um, well, there's really nothing different from being middle-aged to being young. Nothing. Uh you know the in hips. terms in terms of doing different stuff, the one thing you have to understand about being older, which I understand very well, <laughs> is uh, you can do the same stuff you did when you were 20.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, you just
0: you just need one to warm up more mm-hmm. and two you need more recovery time all right but that doesn't mean that you like oh. you know can't do certain things or whatever. now of course, when you're older you've also probably accumulated some injuries and some impingements and things like that so you know that there are certain things that your body does not want to do and certain things that you should stay away from
1: mm-hmm. so
0: you have to listen to your body obviously if you have shoulder issues and or rotator cuff issues maybe you don't want to do shoulder presses or you have uh, other you know bicep tears or what what whatever whatever you have going on from however you Used or abused your body, you have to make sure that your exercise regimen takes that into consideration. You definitely need to warm up. One of the things that, like, I do now, which wasn't necessary when I did any kind of strength training before, is I warm up for 10 minutes before I lift any kind of weights. All right. All right. So, you know, I'll just get on the rower and just do 10 minutes. Three right? minute it, it, granny it, row. It, yeah. It's, it doesn't have yeah. to be crazy, but you just want to make sure that your body is warm. Or, you know, you just take laps around the school or you do jump and jack, but do about 10 minutes of really light warm up, super light cardio just to make sure that your body's warm before you start picking stuff up or whatever. Right. In reality, you know, so much has been talked about, like skill specific uh, strength training and functional training and things like that, that, um, you know, people have gone like from the old days where like strength training was basically just doing bodybuilding stuff. right. And then later strength training or the more modern iteration of strength training is like power lifting and so-called functional training that, you know, people go like, oh, why would you do bicep curls? Because that's not a functional thing you got to do. You know, you got to it's everything's got to be you got to be pushing a tire. You got to be swinging ropes. You got to be jumping and climbing and stuff like that for it to be, quote unquote, functional. And I think that everything you do. Uh, in terms of physical movement, uh, especially if you're doing that in addition to martial arts, is going to mm-hmm. be beneficial. I don't, some Wing Chun people think like, okay, well, in Wing Chun, we punch straight. So we just need to train the muscles for punching in a straight line. So you need to train like the front of your deltoid to hold up your arm. You need to train your tricep and your lats to be able to punch. And then, so they only want to go to the gym and do stuff that is conducive Hmm. to Wing Chun movements, right? I'm only going to kick in a straight line, so I only need to do squats this way. Um, Uh. You know, uh, I'm only going to be punching straight forward on a sagittal plane, so I'm only going to do presses that go in this one direction. And I would actually Hmm. say, don't do that. All right. Now, right. My, my advice 20 years ago would have been like, if you go to the gym, the only thing you should be doing at a gym is stuff that looks like your Wing Chun, but with weights or resistance. Right. And now I'm almost of the opposite opinion of that. <laughs> oh, and, wow. and the reason is that because if you train Wing Chun regularly, you're hitting the wall bag, you're doing your forms, you're doing qi sau, you're doing your Wing Chun practice, then those muscles you need to get for Wing Chun are getting worked because they're getting worked in your Wing Chun practice. Yeah. So, like I talked about, I think, two episodes ago. So, what is then the risk for people who are doing Wing Chun for a long time? It's always overuse. It doesn't matter what martial art you do. You do, you know, Wing Chun people come, oh, my shoulder's this or whatever. Yeah, do jiu-jitsu for two years and then talk to me what happens to your body after that, right? Uh, right, right. Talk to me about overuse and just stuff ripping apart or whatever, right? So... It doesn't matter what martial art you do. If you're doing it with any kind of consistency, you're probably going to get some kind of overuse injuries in those planes of movement and motion that you use regularly, right? So actually, it's my advice that if you go to a gym or go into a gym or you do workout to complement your Wing Chun, it should not only be stuff that looks like what you do in the Wing Chun practice room, because Mm -hmm. trust me, if you're practicing Wing Chun regularly, You're getting enough stimulation on those muscles that you need to do Wing Chun. So it's actually a good idea to do the stuff that you don't do in Wing Chun when you go to the gym. Parkour. No, I'm just saying, like, for example, pull-ups. Okay. Yes, we pull in Wing Chun. We have laps out, but we never pull directly to us, or you should not be pulling directly to you. So some people might think, well, why do we need to pull? Because in Wing Chun, everything is you know, punching moving forward or whatever. Yeah, you need to pull because you're doing so much mm. moving forward kind right, of stuff. Right. You, you understand now what I'm saying? Exactly. So I would say that if you are going to practice any kind of strength training to complement your Wing Chun, it can be a normal plain jane fitness routine. It does not need to be anything special, right? People assume like when they see me in the opening or whatever, like all oh, my training is all this like highly so I do like normal fitness stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Presses bicep curls, tricep extensions, abs, squats, you know. but The basics. Wh- the basics, yeah. right? You know, I, I pick stuff up, I lift it, and I yeah. do that for yeah. reps, right? And you put it back down. And then I put it back down, yeah. right? But I also hit a wall bag. I also hit a heavy bag. I also row. I also use the bike. So I mm-hmm. do cardio. I do all sorts of other stuff. And you do not need to do what I do to be to be happy or fulfilled. Everyone's like, oh, I want to do what that guy does. And you don't want to do what I yeah. do, alright? Because A lot of people will ask me, you know, how do I get in shape or how do I lose weight or what do you do? All right. I posted my routines on Instagram a few months ago. They're still there. If you go to uh, at Kung Fu Genius on Instagram, if you look in the I have the you know, you have those stories where the saved stories on your Uh profile. right? Yes. There's one fitness. And if you want to go there, I actually show my entire workout routine for a week. All right. And a lot of people, you know, thumbs up and liked it or whatever. I guarantee you zero people actually (laughs) did it. All right? oh, oh, no. Because people always want to know, well, how do I lose weight? How do I get in shape? Ye- okay, I'm going to tell you something. If you're an adult, you mm-hmm. know how. You know how. All right? Yeah. You eat less and you do more. Yeah. All right? You got to so lower simple. what you're eating and you got to create a higher calorie expenditure and work more, right? So, you know. People know you go to a gym, you do get a personal trainer, go online, get some routine. There's no magic to it. Things you just have to do it. Yeah. All right. But people are like, well, I tried going to a gym. You try going for a gym for a month and then you stop going. All right. That's why you're not in shape. Right. All right. Because you expected that after two gym sessions, you were going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. No. You got to put in the work day in and day out. All right. Over time. And so for a middle aged person or an older person, you just need to make sure you warm up before whatever you do. And uh, you just need to make sure you give yourself enough recovery and that you're getting enough sleep and you're drinking enough water. But besides that, you can do anything anyone else is doing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. Next up, we got Lou Kiss. All right. Like Lucas. Lucas. Yeah. Lou Kiss. Lou Kiss. Yes. All right. Okay. All right. Have you incorporated or developed any? unorthodox equipment training into your teaching example kicking tires use of boxing training devices okay also please call out philip hartshorn or hartshorn his wc is garbage, and he is a sham filmmaker his only imdb credit is something he made Ooh, all right I don't even know who this person is, but uh-huh. I vaguely I'm know, know who sure this guy is, yeah. he is. You know yeah. who
0: he is? Yeah, no, vaguely. vaguely. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, uh, so for the first one, yeah, I mean, like uh, there are a lot of uh, backyard training gyms that you know they use like tires for practicing the Wing Chun kick. Sometimes they'll take a tire and they'll cut it in a quarter. So you what? have like a quarter of a tire and then they'll, then you'll put it like you'll wedge it against a wall. Yeah. And then you can do kicks into it. Right. So uh, it gives uh. you a little bit of feedback. That stuff is super cool. Right. Like like it's kind of a, I haven't seen kind this kind yet. of like low tech kind of garage gym kind of stuff. Or, uh-huh. or you do you have different types of like, you know, improvised equipment or whatever. Um, I, I'm kind I'm very basic when it comes to that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. The, that stuff is all super, super cool but ultimately if you have a heavy bag like a muay thai bag that goes almost all the way to the floor you can do all your kicks on that you can kick on a wall bag i i I, the problem is like there's something in martial arts called sexy training i've talked about it before Mm. when you um for example you're you're about to watch a ufc and then they have like the highlights of that person's that fighter's training leading up to the fight and then what do you see you see that You see that fighter like doing wind sprints with a parachute behind them like Uh to slow them down. And you see them doing all this kind of crazy strength and conditioning stuff. And people go like, wow, look at all this like, you know, really intense and unorthodox training stuff. Well, most of those fighters will tell you that's literally the stuff their strength and conditioning coach does when the cameras come (laughs) because they're looking for something that looks cool. That's why it's called sexy training. Uh But they will say that actually when the cameras aren't rolling – they're doing normal strength training. They're doing normal bag work. They're doing normal sparring. They're doing normal technical training. But, of course, when a UFC producer comes in and they want to shoot these kind of like oh. these, uh, you know, these behind the scenes things that they do, you know, they're going to like do all the crazy stuff, all the crazy training that makes it just look looks cool. Because also like the trainer is trying to sell, you know, what they do. And and there's a lot of really interesting stuff. I, I really, actually really like how a lot of MMA guys train. Because um, they have to work on so many different things their physical conditioning, their mm-hmm. coordination, hand eye coordination, reaction speed. So it's not just about lifting a bunch of weights or whatever. Um, but I would say that there is an overemphasis on cool looking stuff, mm-hmm. even in Chinese Kung Fu. Like, uh, oh, if you're not training with a rattan ring and kicking a kicking a, a, a tire or, uh, you know, using a mattress on the wall to slam your partner in. Like, you know, <laughs> it's just not grimy enough. Oh, you're just using heavy bags and wall bags. Oh, you're just using focus yeah. mitts and kick shields. You know, how how 2000 and late. Right. <laughs> you know, we're doing, and it's like uh, I, I don't think that the right. I don't think you get such a huge benefit from doing those things where it like justifies the use, right? Even things like, for example, putting the mattress on the wall, all mm-hmm. right, which is something that some people do. Uh, for example, when you're practicing qi or gao sao and you launch your partner using first attack or pole pie or any or shoulder launch, any of these kind of things where you launch your partner, um, they'll put padding on the wall, which we have padding on the wall upstairs, mainly so that you guys don't kill each other while yeah. you're sparring. But uh, sometimes people will put like a really thick padded wall, on, uh, a mattress or something on the wall and slam the students into it so that you have something to slam into. Um, that stuff looks really cool. But I'll tell you, it actually trains a very dangerous habit. Mm. And I talk about it in my book, The 15 Cheese Out Fundamentals. In fact, you, I think I use you as the photo <laughs> dummy for it or whatever, yes. right? Is that if, if you get pushed, which happens all the time in fighting you could get you could get shoved you could get tossed you could lose your balance you know this idea that oh you're going to root your stance and absorb everything or whatever this is something if you've, if you've had practical experience then you're, you you understand that a bigger stronger person can always push you back and make you move right this is only an ideal by people who only practice within their own martial art that they can't be moved or can't be pushed but if you get pushed it's very important that you learn how to catch your balance when you're falling backwards. Mm -hmm. All right. So, for example, you're standing there, you're fighting or you're doing cheese, or goals out, whatever, and your partner launches you with the first attack or whatever, and you lose your balance. You have to take a step back. You have to know how to properly step back to brace yourself and catch your balance. And that's something that needs to be practiced regularly. Otherwise, you will not have it as a skill. Mm. You will have it in theory, but you won't have it as a skill. So that's why we use those, the the steps from the bacham, though the reverse steps to catch our balance. It's a different weight distribution, 60-40, the stance is wider, it's two tracks, and this is like for, you know, get, gaining your balance when you get pushed back. Yeah. And this is something not just taught in Wing Chun, but even like crazy Jiu-Jitsu teaches this, like when you you get pushed, how to deal with the shove would take an for, initial step has to be really long so that you don't end up taking a bunch of short steps. And there's like a, there's like a, a right way and a wrong way to do those things. You need to practice that every time you get pushed, all right? If you're doing cheese out, gauze out, your partner manages to get you or push you or whatever, you cannot stumble back on your feet. You need to take a proper back step and decide whether to either re-engage right away or you just stand there and make the guy come back to you, right? Mm -hmm. But you need to know how to brace yourself when you're pushed. If you have a mattress behind you, all right, And the goal is that every time I launch you, I'm going to launch you with impunity. <laughs> I'm going to launch you so hard that I need to have a mattress on the wall so you don't slam yourself. All right. Ooh. Then what happens is the students get a subconscious reaction that every time they get pushed, they kind of lean back for the mattress behind them and then kind of bounce off. Mm. And when you see people who partake in that kind of training, whenever they get pushed by their partner, mm-hmm. they literally kind of almost stiffen up their legs lean back with their upper body, hit the mattress, and then bounce back off. And they do it every single time because they know that there's a mattress behind them. So what habit is this teaching you when you get pushed? Mm. It's like those trust exercises, all right? Yeah. But then the people don't catch you, all right? <laughs> they so, not that moment. So that's why moment, you no. have some kind of stuff. It's like, oh, well, yeah, you got to have a padded wall so you can slam your students in there. No, you have to have a padded wall in case your students get slammed into the wall. Yeah. So you don't have a hole in your wall. <laughs> but if the if if that training is now contributing to an idea that every time I get pushed in Sao or gao I just kind of lean boom boom and bounce off the wall, you are training that hour after hour, rep after rep, to oh. be part of how you react. So sometimes these cool, innovative, sexy bits of training can actually have the opposite effect. All right. And then the last bit there about calling out that Phil Hartshorn guy, right? Yes. I don't Who is know this? I don't know much about I know that we've gotten so, some IG? I know we've gotten some students because of him oh, because yeah. because he has such a huge reach he's like someone who's got a very big channel mm-hmm. And, I think I know who this guy is. And but I think that he was doing some other stuff before, like he was doing some filmmaking stuff on YouTube or whatever. And then he does Wing Chun as a hobby, so he's not a Wing Chun instructor. He's not, you know, he's not anyone who's going to be featured in Wing Chun Illustrator that anyone cares about, right? <laughs> no one in the Wing Chun world is going to go, well, what does Phil Hartshorn think about Paxo in this application? What are his thoughts on Goss? No one, no one is asking because he's he's just. Like a master wong, he's just kind of like an entertainer who uses Wing Chun as a medium, right? Okay. And so he went to the temple and shot a bunch of, like, really fake videos of him pretend sparring with these guys or whatever. And those are the videos that get a bajillion views because, as I'm learning on social media now, uh, the faker, <laughs> the more people want to... I, I, you know, I show these videos, like, okay, here's how you should do set three on the dummy You need to make sure you slide yeah. on the arm or whatever. No. 10,000 views, right? Create a super fake choreography... <laughs> With Svitlana, where she spins around and all I do is block using Wing Chun hands, which I would never do, by the way. (laughs) Two million views, all right? Right. So you go like – and and that's really what – why people get irritated because the more sensationalistic, the more BS it is, the more people will watch it because people comment and say that it's BS and Mm -hmm. that gives it more views. You know what I mean? So um, he's not really a Wing Chun guy from what I understood. I think he's learned some Wing Chun from someone at some point. Okay. All right? Um, He's a student. But he's got a you know bajillion views on his YouTube, so he's got to be doing something right. All right. Meanwhile, I'm actually having conversations about you know m- martial arts or whatever, and we got you know maybe 17. maybe six thousand subscribers uh, <laughs> or something <laughs> like that, right? right. Um, but if it was just if I went to China and you know went up to some fake Shaolin monk there at the Shaolin Temple and had him kick me, and you know then that thing would have a million views or whatever. Just, people are into dumb stuff, right? So um, you can't you can't hate the player. All right, it's the game. He's just playing the game. Yeah. All right, he's not a real Wing Chun person by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Although he, I think he knows Juji Mufu, who's like that that bodybuilder that does all that crazy stuff on Instagram. If you don't mm-hmm. follow Juji Mufu on IG, your 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 life is not complete. no Juji Mufu is the funniest yeah. dude. Yeah, if like he I just lives like out. crazy weightlifting and yeah, went, hey, he does funny stuff or all whatever. Right. But apparently he did. He he also is a bodybuilder who can do splits. Okay, and uh, but apparently, Van Damme it. yeah, he he has some taekwondo experience, and apparently, um, he knows Phil Hartshorn, and Phil Hartshorn was even able to convince him that Wing Chun was like okay, and, mm-hmm. and so. But um, I think one of our students, Seth from Brooklyn. Saw one of those videos, and that's the reason why he ended up joining our Brooklyn branch. So, oh, wow. so anyway, like all these things that draw wing, draw attention to Wing Chun, even if it's kind of negative or kind of you know BS. Yeah, It still brings in the um, students. It's still, yeah, people still come in. I mean, those IP Men movies come mm-hmm. out, yeah, and each one is kind of more nonsensical than the one before, <laughs> and True. they still bring students. I mean, like you know, at the end of the day, you can't you can't hate on it too much.
1: All right, so next up, we got. Mo Howard.
0: Mo Howard in the house. Mo Howard. We one of our dudes. Yeah, one of the three stooges original. Yes. Yeah, he wasn't yes. he was <laughs> Mo was the main dude, right? He didn't he didn't get swapped out like, you know, Shemp. You're right. Yeah, like that like there he was, was the
1: unswappable.
0: Th- yeah, the third one. Kept getting swapped curly. out. Yeah, they kept curly and shimped. and Curly. They, they kept dying off and having health problems. It was like that third position was bad luck <laughs> oh, in the no. Three Stooges, oh, right? Oh, no. Yeah. Being
1: number three sucks. I
0: yeah. wonder how Mo Howard's doing
1: now. I mean, the real one. The real one. Yeah. yeah. He how he's should doing. be okay. He should be all right. Yeah, he's chilling. Yeah. Getting the residuals. That's what's up. Getting those checks. <laughs> getting those. All right, what do we got? All right, we got, Have you thought about a video with Golden Bell, training host, Prince, hmm He's said good things about you, Sifu Alex Richter, and your Bruce Lee knowledge.
0: That's right. Golden Bell Training. is a big Bruce Lee channel here. Okay. Um, we've talked about them a couple times. He's, uh, yeah, he's okay. a great supporter of the podcast on Instagram, you know, whenever. He lives in Thailand, I think, and whenever he... Uh, Whenever he's listening to the KFG podcast, he'll he'll post it on his Instagram and his stories. Oh, dope! So um, yeah, I I would love to do something. uh, His uh,
1: name is Prince.
0: Yes, we have a we have um, we have done. uh, We've exchanged a couple messages from time to time about potentially doing something uh, together. Um, Maybe we will do like the most epic takedown of Beardy ever, Um, because he's also like a huge. Well, Ooh, I mean, he's a real Bru- anti- he's a real Bruce beer. Lee dude. So if he's a real Bruce Lee dude. Of course, he doesn't like bur- Birdie <laughs> because Birdie's not a real human being Man. with any Bruce Lee knowledge. Oh, so goodness. maybe, um, yeah, maybe we do something in the future. We I should mean, do that live. Yeah, the problem is that because he's in Asia, the time is difficult. Okay, right? He, because there's a time difference between us in New York and, and Thailand, yeah, uh, so uh, can get a bit tricky sometimes. Right? So we have to yeah. we have to figure that out. So yeah, uh, yeah what, no, I would love to do. What is the time do- difference? Like mm, it, Well, I think it's more than 12 hours because it's 12 yeah. hours to Hong Kong. Okay. And I believe when you go over to Thailand, you're moving back a little bit more. So I think it's like an, at least another hour, like 13, maybe 14 hour time difference. Damn. So, yeah, yeah. It's always confusing. So that means some, someone's <laughs> got to get up early and the other one's got to stay late or the other way around. Right? Ouch. So, Ouch. yeah, someone's got to be inconvenienced.
1: All right. Um, so, yeah. He says good things about you. you yeah, know.
0: yeah. He yeah. He's, he's got a good channel. He practices Jeet Kune Do. I think he also does, uh, zhongxin dao, which is like an in a type of internal martial art. And he's very serious about zhongxin dao. That's right. Never
1: uh, heard of
0: it. Uh, yeah, it's z, z zxd. Yeah, zxd. Um, the E W T O was into that for a little bit, and they've they they are still doing it, but maybe under a different name now. Okay. Um, but it's basically from what I understood, it's some type of internal engine which can also link up with other martial arts that you practice i mean i'm i'm not remotely qualified to talk about it but um yes it's cool stuff and and uh yeah maybe we'll do something in the future people always ask about different collabs and stuff um i'm still one of the smaller channels out there talking about bruce lee stuff or wing chun stuff Mm -hmm. there are a couple bigger channels and people always ask me you know why don't i get this person on or whatever and i'm like that person has enough press. (laughs) (laughs) I need to build up my channel more. And also, um, uh, collabs might be interesting. Like, if, 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 like, Prince and I both do an episode together where we kind of take down Beardy. But, Interviews on the whole don't really do super great on the Kung Fu Genius podcast, um, unless it's Man. John Little or Matt Polly, right? Oh. It, um, if I don't have John Little across from me, people, I literally could have Jackie Chan right there, and then we talk about Bruce Lee and cocaine <laughs> with John Little, right? Uh, you don't care about Jackie Chan. right? It <laughs> uh, literally on. doesn't matter, you it know? Stunts, yeah. I could have Robert Downey Jr. No one yeah. would give a crap, damn. All right, but it's like talk about Bruce Lee. We don't like it when you talk to other people. Um, So, uh, (laughs) yeah, I I don't know. So So, so people always ask me about that stuff, but it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe. But really, it's just about discussion and talking about what, you know, what our viewers want to listen to. And Mm -hmm. um, I might do more interview stuff, but I'll probably just keep it for the Patreon supporters Mm. because that's that shit tends to just tank on YouTube. So like, yeah, whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, sure. Maybe. But there's a short list of people I would collab with. and, And he's definitely on that list.
1: Cool. Yeah. Cool. What was that uh, James Bond movie? Golden Golden Arm? Golden Go, Golden Eye? Golden Eye. Man with the Golden Gun? Go, Which uh, one? Then, one? Yeah, he yeah, had a bunch of golden Yeah. Yeah. Man, Man with the
0: Golden Gun uh, was, uh, had a bunch of scenes shot in Hong Kong. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Like, when you see Man it, it's, with it's really with the Golden cool. Gun. I yeah, and they even, they even have a couple of Hong Kong stuntmen were in, in, in Roger that one Moore? as well. Or yeah, Roger Moore. Okay. And uh, I, I read Roger Moore's um, autobiography last year. And uh, he talked about shooting that. Um Because oh. uh, Hervé Villechaize Shooting the gun or the movie? No, no, the movie. Uh, Hervé Villechaize. <laughs> yeah. In it. You remember from, from Fantasy Island, yeah. thing, right? And he was just talking about how just Hervé just went off the rails with the prostitutes in Hong Kong. <laughs> ah. And like and just like, you know, what? just like uncontrollable, what? right? And like they would go to a hotel room and they'd just be Bunch of like, like a intro. Hong Kong prostitutes. today. He, yeah, he just he just wow. went bonkers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hervey, yeah. Rest in peace, Hervey Village Yeah,
1: right? he w- he played um, the 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 host, right? with well, ta- Fantasy ta- Island. Well,
0: no, the the host was um, played by I forget the name of the character but was played by Hervey was Ri- tattoo was tattoo right. Oh. But the, the host was actually played by the late Ricardo Montalban. Right,
1: yeah, Ricardo Montebon. Yeah, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. Whose
0: last acting credit? Was he did a voice on Family Guy? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is great. Um, Ricardo Montalban was just awesome. awesome just so Just he had that accent. Yes. Yeah, maybe he was in Naked Gun. I think he was in the first Naked Gun. Oh yeah, man, yeah, it was cool, dude. Cool oh dude. man, yeah. he,
1: We we had a friend that we would call him Tattoo. Oh yeah, yeah. We, we Tattoo oh, yeah. He, he looked just like. Yeah, no, he was bigger. Yeah, but he had the face, same right. face. You know, it was awesome funny, dude. Awesome. All right. All right. What all all else right. we got? Moving right along, we got Andrew Lynn. Andrew Lynn in the house. Yeah. Oh man. What's up with that guy? Okay. Can you talk? about the differences between talent and training are some people doomed to only peak at a certain level compared to those who have natural athleticism and talent or do you think training can overcome most of those differences he always has good questions. He does this have guy. good
0: questions. It's a very hard question. It's like to answer. Dreiser. No, I wouldn't say Dreiser has good questions he's... so much as Dreiser just needs to die a violent death. <laughs> um, but uh, although Dreiser's questions have been getting better lately, it, yeah, yeah, I think he's, he's been popping. He's, he's been popping up a lot though, right? I've seen these yeah, like but, photos but, of but, people, and had, in that video, there was that video. We, dude, you're in the video. You're yeah, slapping but. him.
1: Yeah, but he just randomly came to the school. He's he not supposed to, just to like no He
0: didn't know. No, was he yeah. giving a monologue in the school? So, so, I don't
1: think he even rang the bell to come up. No, He no. just
0: popped in. Yeah, with dirty boots all yeah. over the place. Right? Yeah, right. Uh, muddy. On, walked muddy. On the, walked on the mats with his shoes, right? Yeah, that's Dryson Dude. So for those of our listeners who don't know what we're talking about, go to the Kung Fu Genius Instagram, at the Kung Fu Genius. <laughs> and uh, it probably be a few weeks back by the time this episode comes right. out. There's a video. Which happened coincidentally very shortly after random. the after, yeah. after the Will Smith Chris Rock slapping thing. Right. Very coincidentally that happened the next day. I know.
1: <laughs> it, it was strange. It was and, almost
0: like like they were we were trying to jump onto a news cycle or something uh-huh. like that. And uh yeah, and then Dryson walks into City Wing Chun and, and he starts, starts mouthing all off all sorts of ish about yeah. me. Which, by the way, you initially thought was funny, <laughs> no. until you looked and you guy gave you a little side. it's <laughs> no,
1: not no no no. And then no, you I went up there and you no.
0: slapped him in the face. No, I, right? I wasn't.
1: I wasn't thinking it was funny. Ah, uh, no, right, no, no, no. That's right. not what
0: happened. Yeah, I'll keep that in mind. I don't remember that. Yeah, when you part. finally want to learn the knives. Or I got to we'll see that video. Yeah, we'll see what you. Yeah, talking yeah, about. we'll see. We'll see. It's on there. It's on there. People can see. <laughs> he,
1: he was. He was talking some some serious... Yes. Serious snap. So
0: anyway... Okay. Uh, these questions are very hard to answer, but like, the, the you know, uh, does hard work and, and pluck and grit overcome no talent, a little talent, whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, are you bound to peak uh, at a certain level if you only have this much talent or this much or whatever? The problem is that there's really no way to answer this because these questions are... They're so individual. They're based on the individual that we're talking about, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just it's so multifactorial. There's no like one thing. Well, if if it's always if someone always has this much talent and this much work ethic, then you're always then there's a straight line, and like this is what the person's going to become, mm-hmm. because that is um, that 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 really doesn't exist. Everyone is individual. Not to mention, um, people also have other things that come up in their lives that interfere with their ability to excel in anything, personal mm. stuff, moving, you know, like, so they no longer have access to their teacher or an injury or something. So it's mean, very difficult to say what the factors are to create someone who is, like, world class. Now, I did talk about it, I think, on a recent episode that I think the the best combination is someone who at least has a little bit of talent, all right, and, um, like, let's say good, or average, maybe better, better than average work ethic. all right because if uh like i discussed before the 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 students that disappointed me the most were the ones that are the most talented Mm. because everything came easy to them and they didn't have that extra drive to try hard and then the most talented students sometimes just get bored because they can do it it's easy and they don't feel challenged
1: what about the other ones the 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 ones with
0: With no no talent talent.
1: and and no work ethic and they they just come because they love it but
0: they just yeah that's totally that's the other thing too um Mm -hmm. It's this is a separate issue, but like with most martial art instructors, they have such a huge ego about like how good their students are, Mm. all right. And the problem is that, of course, everyone wants to have students that perform well and that represent the style that they're teaching well or whatever. But this idea that like your students have to be so good because they're learning from you, means that you as the instructor are putting your own ego above what the student needs, because again. Everyone's journey is different, okay? Like one person comes in just because they saw the IP Man movies and wants to, uh, you know, learn some kung fu for fun but doesn't really care about being able to defend themselves or doesn't really care about being able to fight or doesn't really care how good they are. They just Mm -hmm. enjoy it Mm -hmm. because, believe it or not, people are allowed to do martial arts and just enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah, You know, because social media gives us the idea that we constantly need to justify why we do stuff to other people. And it's like, you can just do shit because you like it. You're mm. like, why do you always talk about Bruce Lee? Because I freaking like it. And I don't know anything else. <laughs> all right? All right? I don't even know that much about Bruce Lee, but I know okay. way less about other stuff. Okay? Yeah, right, right. All right? So, uh, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, I mean, that's just like, if you don't like Bruce Lee stuff and Wing Chun stuff, literally don't listen to the podcast. Don't I don't so. care. Yeah. Yeah. All right? You're not taking anything away from me. All right? Um, so, the problem is that everyone's reason for doing martial arts are different. One person only cares about self-defense. They only worry about if they get attacked on the street, what can they do? So they might be less concerned about their Wing Chun looking really technically clean Mm. so much as like they just know if they need to go that they can go in and put pressure on someone and finish the fight quickly. So that person might be driving their work ethic towards a different aim which is just to be powerful and explosive and be competent in self-defense, and they don't really care how good their siunam tao looks. Mm, so the okay. problem is you can't even say if you have two people with the same talent and the same drive that the outcome is the same because student A and student B might have the same level of talent, same level of drive, but student A really wants to be good at the martial art of Wing Chun, and student B only cares about self-defense. Wow. So, so even if on paper you could have two clones of each other, If they had a different uh, motivation for doing Wing Chun, the result would be different. All right. So. So that's why these questions. I mean, these are are interesting thought experiments, but they're ultimately impossible to answer. I love thought experiments. I love thought experiments. Right. Uh, But it's impossible. It's impossible to answer because, you know, you need to have some modicum of talent. All right. If you are completely talentless. You can overcome it, but the level of drive you need to be able to practice and overcome coordination issues or mm. overcome whatever, you know, whatever reason you're not able to really get it right away. Your work ethic is going to have to be so much harder to overcome that. It doesn't mean it's impossible because work ethic is free. All right. <laughs> yeah. OK. So yeah. if you want it, you just literally work harder and figure it out. Right. Um But it's a little bit easier if you have at least a modicum of talent and and coordination, right? Mm. Because then you don't have such a... Then then your work ethic doesn't have to make up for such a deficit of lack of coordination, right? So that's why somewhere in between. Now, of course, if you are an ultra-talented person, that also has a huge work ethic. Then, of course, then you have the potential to be world-class, all right? So the problem is uh you, you cannot put it on a graph this much mm. work ethic this much talent equals this level and also when you say uh w- will you peak out uh at a certain level or whatever i mean well it also depends what your aim is i mean like are okay. you are you trying to be a hard hardcore fighter you just want to have self defense competency you want to be really good at the martial art of wing chun you want a combination of all three so you're peaking where's your peak at what and what categories and this is like you know uh man i feel like remember when you slapped dryson because he said Monday, well, yeah. i'm not gonna answer that question because i don't really know and i literally catch myself going like i can't answer that question <clears throat> all right and i'm sure there are plenty of people who might say no no, no. if someone has this much talent and this much work e- ethic the result is going to be this and i will tell you you've only taught a limited number of people in your life i've been oh. teaching for 20 years and, you know, in various peaks and valleys of the school, school's been packed, but all sorts of different people in here. Mm-hmm. So I know I have 20 years of data mm. of dealing with different people and going like, okay, on the average, this tends to be what kind of happens, right? Uh, if you have this much work ethic, this much talent. But even then, you'll be pleasantly and unpleasantly surprised both ways. So um, part of, I think, what people need to do and I've said this before and I'm going to sound like a broken record is they need to stop giving a shit about other people <laughs> and what they're able to do with the same amount of time that they've been practicing Wing Chun because the problem is you, you, you started Wing Chun let's say because you enjoy it you want to do it and then it becomes or any martial art you start kickboxing you start Wing Chun you start Jiu Jitsu whatever it is you, because there's something in you like wow that looks cool I want to do it you have to think of that initial spark that brought you to it which is joy Like, wow, like, Mm. like, look at that person doing jujitsu or look at that person doing Wing Chun, or look at that person doing kickboxing. Wow, it looks amazing. I want to be able to do that. So it starts from a place of joy and wonder and exploration. And then you start doing it and then it becomes a burden (laughs) because you go, oh, man, I'm not good at this. Mm. I'm not good at this. That guy can do it. That guy's better than this. That guy started the gym six months after me and is already able to do this and this and this. And the reason why your enjoyment then suffers is because now you're looking at everything through a lens of what other people are doing. And that is nothing, has nothing to do with why you started it. So you need to give an F, like you need to give zero Fs about where other people are. And you need to just focus on making yourself better. And... Because sometimes the opposite effect can happen. You might be surrounded by people who are progressing slowly okay, and you're looking around at all the other people and they're slowing you down. And that's Mm. also not good. And you or you're in a room full of people who are just killers and they're accelerating way past you and you start to get all upset in your head and have all this negative self-talk because you're not accelerating at the rate that those other people are. Well, if you're doing martial arts for a hobby, Mm-hmm. Who the hell cares? Because well, what 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 do you need to hurry up for? You, you, you know, I mean, what, like it's different if you're training for a competition or you have aspirations of becoming a professional fighter. Okay. Then you got to start when you're young, and you have a window to start getting good at this stuff so you can start fighting with it. But if you're doing martial arts for a hobby, which I would argue most people, even people who do jiu-jitsu and MMA, most of those people, you know, people always say, like, yeah, I want to see you do your Wing Chun in, in, uh, in, in MMA or whatever. They always mm-hmm. say UFC, as if you can just go up to yeah. UFC and fight in hey. UFC. Hey, I want to fight in yeah. UFC. Can we do just this? Sign right? up. It's like, look, you might go to a jiu-jitsu gym two, three times a week. You also can't fight in UFC, so yes. shut up, all right? <laughs> I don't care how much Thai boxing you've done. The level yeah. of Thai boxing and kickboxing and people who are at fighting in UFC is way more than you, bro, going to yeah. your gym twice a week. The fact yeah. that you do the martial art that they do in UFC doesn't mean you can fight in UFC either, right? So most people do it for fun. Yeah. So who are you comparing yourself to and why, all right? The... It it becomes this negative feedback loop of um, I'm I'm upset with myself because I'm not progressing at the level of someone else. And while you spend time obsessing about not progressing, you are not progressing because you're not focusing on getting better. You're focusing on that. You are not getting as better, as good as someone else. And then because you are now not focusing on getting better, you end up not getting better because you weren't because you weren't focusing on getting better. You were focusing on other people, which then feeds the dysfunction in your head about not getting better. And then you've literally trapped Mm. yourself in a loop. Damn loops. You see what I mean? So how about you don't give an F how good or bad other people are around you and you just really treat martial arts as a personal journey? You might be on the same journey with other people, and and you're going to training partners help each other, your instructors help you, the the community helps you. But ultimately, martial arts is not a team sport. It is self-exploration. So you have to, like, unhook this idea of, like, so-and-so was at this level or this good or knew this or learned the beauty by the gives a gives a flying. All right, literally practice your martial art, get better. And and find ways to improve and give a crap about someone else. Damn. Because that just creates a negative feedback loop which will ensure that you do not improve. All right?
1: Why do I feel like you're tagging me personally?
0: No, no, no. I'm de- no the sense. reason why. The reason why I'm saying this is because this is a common problem oh, among yeah. people who decide they want to quit martial arts. It's It's because of a weird comparison with other people. That loop, and that has nothing to do with why they started it, but it became that thing. They have now inherited the burden of uh, improving at the same rate as other people. When that had not, when when they joined, all they cared about was learning that martial art.
1: That was the last thing on their brain.
0: Exactly, and 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 that is that is what you have to be able to release that unnecessary burden because you. Uh, I mean, you in general are, are taking that on yourself when you don't need it. And it's it's probably one of the, the biggest trappings of the way humans are. Is we're constantly looking at other people and comparing, right? Looking mm. at social media and thinking that any of that shit is real and none of that stuff is real.
1: Damn so
0: anyway, that's what I got to say about that topic. Wow.
1: Okay. Alrighty then next up moving right along do we have time for one more or are we absolutely one more okay um hold on I missed the scroll right here oh next up we got Dreisen.
0: you know what's weird what this is the first time you said next time we had Dryzen we don't have Mikey Dean back there going oh <laughs> god alright <laughs> we do of not him. have our sound guy <laughs> took... alright I've had to do the sound. If the sound comes out janky on this episode, you know who to blame. But if it comes out fine, then we kind of accidentally realize all Mikey Dean does is hit record. Push a button. That's right. And today is also the day that we're going to do another live episode. Oh, yes. And as of this time, Mikey (laughs) Dean is still sick. Still sick. In bed. And he's the one who runs the whole live episode. So I don't even know if we're going to be able to do it. We will see. We, we will put we it together. See. We All right. shall see. Let's go.
1: Improvise. Uh Dreizen is asking a uh, question. And he's he's first off saying, "Hey, get well soon, Mikey Dean." Wow. <laughs> How does he even know? I uh, We gave
0: the information. I know it's so strange. During the recording, which is not live, which yeah. is strange. And he
1: says he's that slap was it felt like a feather.
0: Oh, he's saying you you are really weak at slapping, man. Because you slapped him and he, he was fine afterwards. He was smiling at you by the way you know i i watched um <laughs> he was uh, more in shock like, i watched teddy atlas <laughs> teddy you know yeah you know the boxing co- he's yeah. got a podcast okay and he also like everyone else chimed in on the whole chris rock uh-huh. will, will smith thing right right which is funny also because by the time this episode comes out that that shit's gonna be <laughs> it's the old news yeah it's, it's old someone news. else someone it's, else got slapped it's, again it's old oh, news now yeah all right and by the time this episode comes out in another Older. two weeks or whatever it's like oh god yeah. that thing right yeah.
1: a new person gets slapped a by teddy man.
0: atlas had such funny take on what it because it? he goes what did we learn from this whole thing <laughs> he goes uh that the guy who played muhammad ali can't hit that hard. <laughs> wow because he goes like look at <laughs> look at will smith's size compared to chris rock yeah chris and, Rock should and have will smith down. pulled back and you know put the hip into Cocked it and everything it. like that and chris rock took it and kept going yeah so that means, so basically, he laughed Ted, it off. Basically, Teddy Atlas was, Atlas was saying, like, that's Hollywood for you. The guy who can train and pretend to be Muhammad Ali, right. that guy can't even yeah. hit. <laughs> all right. And then they were talking about That's like brutal. you know what if that what if there was a counter puncher or what if that was Mayweather that he tried to throw at and they were talking about how, how everyone would just fade out and give him the overhand oh, right and everything oh <laughs> yes I gotta see this yeah it was pretty good all right so what, what does Dreisen got uh, to Dreisen's
1: make? asking uh, do you think Bruce Lee knew had or had any inclination of um, when Roman Polanski believed he was the killer of what happened in his house. Did, did Bruce Lee have any idea that Roman
0: was asking about his glasses? Wait a minute. What? Dreyson? this is the third legitimate question Dreyson asked. And this is the first one he's asked where he didn't have a hypothetical before it. I don't, I'm reading it right here has Dryson turned a new leaf? I don't know, but I, he's curious about this. So the question is okay, so according to Matt Polly's book, right, all right? And that bit of information he got from Roman Polanski's biography, right. That at the time of the Sharon Tate murders were, mm. you know, the, the the Manson family murders and yeah. all that. Roman Polanski, who was married to Sharon Tate at the time, she was pregnant, she was murdered. Uh, uh, with a number of other people, J.C. brings, so mm-hmm. on and so forth. And um, they didn't know at first who, who had done it. Yeah, they, for, they didn't know. for like a good
1: week, two weeks. No,
0: I think it was a little bit longer than that, actually. Yeah. But they didn't know who had committed the murders and a lot of people were scared because there was like some satanic crap attached mm-hmm. to it or whatever. And Roman Polanski at that time was learning martial arts from Bruce Lee. In fact, they had even traveled, I think, to Switzerland together. Mm-hmm. And you know Bruce at that time, kind of post Green Hornet, was I love Roman Polanski was teaching movies, by the way. teaching straight leads for cash. You know yeah. what I mean? And so he uh, <laughs> he he was basically a personal trainer to the stars. He was
1: stars. teaching Sharon Tate too, uh,
0: here and he, there maybe. No, he, he I think he taught her just for the movie The Wrecking Crew. He did oh, the choreography. Oh, okay. So with Nancy Kwan as well. All right. Um, who would later go on to play the Ruby Chow character in Dragon the Bruce Lee story? And she actually yeah, knew the real Bruce Lee, right? Dude. Um, so, you see, uh, in that time when Roman didn't know who had killed Sharon Tate uh, and everyone else there, he he started to go through a list of people who it might be. Because whenever something like this happens, you know, in general, it's usually someone who knows you. who Like, like if, if there's a murder, usually there's someone who knew that person who killed them, right? Mm. Of course, there's a random acts of violence and stuff. But um, when it seems personal, it's like, did you cross somebody? Is there someone out mm-hmm. there who's got a vendetta? And um, for some reason, Roman suspected it could have been Bruce Lee, even though obviously he had a good relationship with Bruce Lee. But he was thinking, like, who among all the people that he knows would have the physical capabilities to kind of, like, take out a bunch of different people? Now, I don't think Bruce, if he wanted to murder (laughs) five people or however many people got murdered, I don't think he could, like, physically do that without people running or whatever. But, like, at that time, you know, there was a perception that, you know, Bruce Lee was like a superhuman and he could do that, right? And Man. there were a pair of glasses left on the scene from one of the killers. Yeah. And Bruce Lee wore glasses. And um, when Roman came back uh, and then he starts investigating, he, he, he him and Bruce Lee meet and Bruce talks about how he lost his glasses. Mm-hmm. And Roman had the glasses because uh, he, he was also kind of becoming like an armchair detective trying to figure out who had done this. And he kind of suspected that maybe Bruce Lee was the killer or one of the killers and left his glasses there. So then he and Bruce said he had to go to the eyeglass shop to get a new prescription. Mm-hmm. So Roman said, well, why don't I pay for your new eyeglasses? When really what he was trying to do was find out to see if that those eyeglasses were the same were the prescription, same prescription. Yeah. as the glasses that were left um, you know, at the murder scene. And then so he goes and he pays for the uh, glasses and, and checks the two prescriptions and they're not the same. Mm. And then realizes, okay. What
1: if they were the same? That yeah, I know. Been... Can you imagine?
0: What if they were the same and Bruce still wasn't the killer? Like, Can you, can you imagine that? how that would have dramatically no, changed Bruce Lee's
1: life? It's like a Dryzen hypothetical.
0: Right yeah, there. yeah. Absolutely. Although I'm pretty sure that Bruce would have had an alibi because at that time he was he was training a lot of people. He was te- he he was, mm. teaching, he was teaching. He was teaching tax out for cash, you know, at that time, <laughs> yeah. right? He was a he was a broke actor at that time. So, um but I I'm pretty sure Roman Polanski never mentioned anything to Bruce Lee about suspecting him. Hmm. And I'm of the impression that Bruce Lee didn't know either. And and I and I don't mm. think that he had an impression that Roman thought that, but I would need to actually read Roman's uh, biography. I think if that were the case, I think I haven't, Um, but I did read that tidbit in Matt Polly's book, but I think that if Bruce had suspected that Roman suspected (laughs) him, I'm pretty sure that that also, that would have been in Matt Polly's book. And although it's been a couple of years since I reread Matt Polly's book, I don't think that was mentioned in there, but you know, it's been a couple of years since I I read it. So I might need to give it a reread. Damn. Yeah. And that's all I got to say about that. All right, guys. Well, I hope you liked that episode of the Kung Fu Genius. As always, don't forget to like this episode, subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius, hit that bell for notifications. And if you have questions for any future episode of the Kung Fu Genius, go ahead and write those in the comments below. And as always, I'll see you guys next time
1: word is i'm a kung fu genius technique speaks for me not lineage forget jet me because i'm the one many call me seafood but to you i'm Seekong kung and i produce masters you surpassed us your kung fu stiffer than corpse and caskets. city wing chung is the house i built violate the gate and your blood gets spilled alex richter always the victor
0: all right hey, so I-, I have to start the episode the normal way all right. Oh, f- okay. Already, only fucking If we up. had Michael Dean, I mean, we would have. No, that was on you. We don't have Mikey Dean again, so please check the audio. Make sure it sounds fine. You, mm, see if you need to do any adjustments. We are fucking <laughs> idiots. Okay, <laughs> all right. Now I need to go in that position to. Your ass.
1: Yo. All right, peeps. On today's episode of The Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering. All sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots of gems. Lots of kicking tires. Lots of yo. I heard Bruce Lee got dead by some like. (laughs) (laughs) Got dead? Yeah. He deaded it. He got deaded. All right, peeps. All right, peeps. Uh huh. (laughs) what do people do when they you have to say something like surmise all eyes on the prize surmise all eyes on bruce lee's eyeglasses lots of hey i heard Bruce Lee died from some like Japanese electromagnolatical muscle stimulation. <laughs> hey man, I heard Bruce Lee got died. <laughs> got died. Hey. All right peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <Why>? <laughs> Why do you do that to me? All right, peoples. No, where's Monkey Dean when you need him?
0: You don't have him, you have me.
1: Lots of, hey Jack, I heard that Bruce Lee cat died from some Japanese electromagnetic stimulation muscle machine man i must have saw this on the internet some some point let's get that was
0: too long that was too long
1: (laughs) the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from youtube Good
0: enough, all
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>